and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we are going to go to the library to go pick up some books, because uh, we love to read here. Uh, we're also going to go and uh, see our favorite teacher, Miss Honey, um, who is an icon, nonetheless, of course. And we're also going to use our telekinetic powers to um, get revenge on our horrible principal. But regardless of all that, though, today's episode, we are going to be uh, talking about the one and only Matilda from 1996. But I can't do this episode alone. Uh, so I decided to bring back... Uh, a wonderful uh, guest of my show who's been on all the most times of ever. But also I brought her on because this is a movie that both me and her grew up watching and are just pretty much in love with. And so I thought, why not? So uh, with the magic of Zoom and remote recording, um, I bring you Miss Sarah Heidelberg. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm good. Oh, wonderful. So we decided to do this over Zoom today because I was lazy and I didn't feel like going to your house, but you know, it's fine. That's I see okay. you enough anyway. That's <laughs> uh, okay. So You'll far- see me tomorrow. Exactly. I know, right? But oh, anyway, we did. I did see you like on Friday, recording on Sunday, and then I'll see you tomorrow because I think we're uh, eating crabs or something like that, is what I believe yeah. it is. Love that. Anyway, we're so from Maryland. But anyway, but yeah, so we decided to do Matilda because actually Sarah is pretty much my, uh, she's kind of like my strategy manager at this point where she just asks me about like, what do you have planned uh, for the the podcast in the next couple months and, you know, all this. And and we actually have, you know, um, she gave me the idea really to do this because she's like, what would you you do Matilda on the podcast? And I was like, yeah, I don't see why not. Like, why not? Let's do it. And I think there is an express reason for that because, I mean, this film in and of itself has such a following to it and so many people who love it so much. And so I thought, why not cover it on here? Like, you know, and it also been a minute since I actually sat down and watched this movie, really. And if anything, it's just bolstered my uh, my appreciation for this movie in general. But not just talking about me, though, Sarah, what what is it about Matilda? Why? Why did you feel like? You wanted to talk about this, wanted to come on and, and be able to talk about it. What does this movie mean to you? When did you see it? And what do you what do you like about it? I believe I saw it when it came out in theaters. Not, you know, like the mm-hmm. day it came out, but sometime in... It came out in 96, right? Yes, it did. Yes. So that would have made me like seven, I think, when it came out. Something like that. Which is kind of close to eight, her age, because me and her aren't that far apart in age. That's correct. Um, so I think we were talking about this a couple of days ago that we saw it in the theaters. Like that's when we remember seeing it in the theaters along with Harry Spry and Of course, yeah. Um, Titanic. So we are from oh Titanic, Spice World. I didn't see that with you. <laughs> but yeah, there's a couple ones in my like my psyche that I remember I saw in the theaters. Uh, yeah, definitely Titanic. That was a long one. So Matilda, so we are from Baltimore and Dundalk, yes. nonetheless. Well, that's uh-huh. where we Marjorie grew up as we were, you know, between the baby age and to like 10. Well, at least for me. Pretty much, yeah. A little bit younger. <clears throat> so there was a movie theater in Dundalk, and I was wondering about it. I don't even know what that was called. I don't either. Uh, so, yeah, if you're familiar oh, yeah. with this area, um, so it's like right on the outskirts of Baltimore City, but it's in the county. But like technically, me and Sarah were born in Baltimore City because we were born at a Bayview Hospital, technically, which, which is in the city. It was Francis Scott Key Hospital back yes. <laughs> when I was born. And back I, when maybe you were born, when you were yes. born, yeah. I think so they too, but now it's, it over, yeah. 
I think so, no, too, but now it's, it's known as Bayview. Would, it's Bayview, yes, yep. Yes, yes. And so we were born in Baltimore City, but we grew up in the county. So this is where, like, you know, uh, folks like uh, the voice of Elmo is from Dundalk, technically, weirdly enough. Um, <laughs> that um, the drummer from... Um, the Go Go's is from there. I mean, weirdly enough. Yeah. And then just like John Waters is like from Towson, Catonsville, but like Baltimore County is like this kind of thing. But anyway, but yeah, no, there's like a little flea market we would go to. Um, yep. If at all you were still, from the. Still rocking and rolling. It's still it rocking still... and rolling. We would go to the flea market. Young, mm-hmm. and I'm 33. It'll be 34 in a few months. And it's still, it's been there longer than I've been alive. And... Yep. It, and they would just sell like so they had food there that you could buy i think they had like this is back in the 90s but you could buy like videotapes there if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. just like clothes obviously like you know it was a flea market so like shoes. you know shoes all that uh, stuff and DVDs, we would, we would, yeah. it was right near our house too so we would frequent it every so often like every weekend or like every other weekend or something we were going there quite a bit to be honest yeah, we i remember pretty frequently in the in the, back yeah. In the day yeah yeah it was just a way so, to shop yeah there was the movie theater apparently from what i remember was there it was like the, the flea market was on one end and you go over if you kind of want to think about it as a parking lot like yes farther over to the parking lot was where the movie theater was it is mm-hmm. now a walmart and it's been yes, a walmart it for i don't know how long 20 years yep. i say 20 more than 20 years but that is where we saw it and it's right we... off of eastern avenue is what it is because it's literally um to the right of walmart or this movie theater is where like there's parts of eastern avenue over there there's Merritt boulevard all this kind of stuff if you're at all interested in baltimore county geography this is very ravaging yes. for you but so uh but yeah it's kind of like we saw it. it's just funny because it's it's one of those things where as time grows on it's not there anymore so it's been exactly. gone for maybe longer than it was there i don't know i don't know when it and i'm wondering yeah. you know because there's there's amc there's regal i just i wonder what i wonder what what horizon i wonder what movie theater it was because i don't remember i, just I don't remember, remember either we yeah we um, have to do our research i know i didn't really we didn't really do that but that's okay i'm just kind of curious because it's kind of <laughs> funny how they just had a movie theater there they they toured the had to have yeah. tore down to put the the Walmart there, and then it's been Walmart for as long as I kind of can remember. Other it's than vaguely remembering it was a video, or uh, you know, a movie theater. Um, <clears throat> so we went and we saw it at that one, and it's only funny to say that because, like, I remember the other movie theater that's still open, the one that's on Eastern Avenue, that's um mm-hmm. flagship. I've I remember seeing multiple movies there, and it's still there. Yeah, so you I remember know that too. Called. Yeah, but uh, this one was. Like, one of, like we might as well want to also let's be clear here as well i don't love the amc that i go and see every so often but flagship is kind of where it's at like we used to live in um we were just getting into maryland talk but like uh we were in harford county for the longest time and they had a regal up there mm-hmm. but also they had the flagship and bitch flagship was everything like it was a smaller theater um, it wasn't as expensive. Uh, it was still pretty, pretty good. Like I saw quite yeah. a few movies there. Like, and I think it might still be there, or it like changed over or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like it is still physically standing. If that's what you're asking, it is. But I'm almost positive it's AMC, but it's a smaller AMC. I I think so too. I feel like I I looked at that before. I was talking to yeah. I think I was talking to your husband about it actually, and uh, I was like, oh yeah, we looked this up. So <laughs> anyway, enough about movie theater. Talk. Talk though, but yeah. uh, okay, we so saw it there. That. 
So we saw it there, and um, you know, it was just one of those movies that is it's a it's like a perfect child's movie to see. Like I agree, it's it's gauged to that childhood, you know, five to ten, yeah. five to eleven. That audience, um, it's, it's tailor made to that audience. Yeah, and it, it, it that's what it's meant for. So it was definitely one of those. It was cool that a movie came out that we knew or that that mm-hmm. we could enjoy and that we could understand because uh, yeah. obviously we've said some things had some movies on the pod where we probably watched them when we shouldn't have watched them uh, right right they were just not made it, for us it's not made for us but you know now watching them but i just watched this yesterday because you know like it had been a minute since i watched it mm-hmm. and it's on netflix for yes only a couple more days for a so couple more I, days so i, sw- I swooped in and, 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 and um and did it so I watched it yesterday, and it's just one of those movies that, like, it's so easy to rewatch. Like, sit down and just start it. Yeah, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know how it starts. I know mm-hmm. the beginning and middle and end. Like, I know exactly how the whole movie goes. What yeah. scenes coming up next? But it's just it's a fun movie to watch. I agree. I I think this movie for me, I specifically and remember. Go ahead. It's a good <laughs> message. You know, sorry. It and does. As we were kind of stating earlier, you know, I'd like to say that looking like watching it yesterday and you know watching it in the past, you know, you when you watch something when you're older, like when you're an actual adult, when you're watching yeah. when you're little, you're just like, oh, she's got powers, and oh, there's mm-hmm. just mean lady. You know, you kind of think of it as a child like mind when you're watching it at that age. When mm-hmm. you're older, you can understand like kind of how. You're like wow okay like that's that's kind of you know it's sad how she was brought I, up i yeah sure. totally but, um, and even to your point just, with that yeah. to your point with that though sarah i'm sorry to sorry to butt in but i was thinking of this today weirdly enough that i was like holy shit they talk about suicide in this movie in 1996 <laughs> you know, like a they literally talk oh, about yeah, how okay. Magnus killed himself. I was like, and they they say he killed like, himself. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> they literally say that. And can you imagine? Like, yeah, like I don't know. I'm just, I just think like this movie to me, as a kids movie, is so mature, which is really cool, and doesn't talk down to its audience not saying that all kids movies do that but it's very much like sometimes you just put fucking colorful shit and you like whatever and fart noises and it's a kids movie right but like this movie is so mature to me where i'm just like holy shit like this is a great film (laughs) like and um comparing to something like harriet the spy i think harriet the spy has its fun to it i guess but at the end of the day, it's a Nickelodeon movie. It's a little bit irreverent, you know, kind of sort of, you know, it's kind of supposed to be like that a little bit with Nickelodeon. It's still a fun movie. It still has a fine little whatever. But uh, I think this movie in particular has, like you said, more of a good message of like, you don't have to, you could choose your family. You can, you know, um, make a make your way on your own kind of a thing. Um, and also, it's good to just be a nice person, really, I, I guess. So... But yeah. Anyway, sorry to sorry to cut you off. But uh, no, it's yeah, okay. Just... Uh, kind of actually, what she just said kind of is what I was gonna kind of get get around to is is mm-hmm. you know how the movie goes. It's, you may be in a family that you uh, born into, born into, but you can choose your own family. Yeah, totally. Um, like you can, you know, it's kind of how I how how I think of it. You know, with how how everything happened, how she really wasn't really taken care of. Yes, basically the bare minimums. They fed her, they clothed her, stuff like that. But, you know, they didn't really nurture her and all that. And, and for her to, you know, be what she was and 
and be basically a genius at like four. I mean, homegirl was walking ten blocks to the damn library. I mean, <laughs> she was and like actually doing doing this for herself and everything. It's but, so great, you know, but yeah, she it, it was it was great to see that you know she made friends. You know when she because again she wasn't socialized. We think about it too. She wasn't socialized. They was because yeah, they're like wasn't. you're staying home, and they're like you're four. She's like I'm six, and they're like no, you're four, and I'm like. Like they, they don't. Care. I wanted to go to school, but you haven't done anything. Like what is right? This? And like when you think about it, and it's so funny when you think about it. Like again, this is something I don't think I wouldn't have thought about when I was younger. But like thinking about it now, it's like kids need to be socialized by going to school or being in a play group or being in whatever a daycare to get used to other kids. So it's like it's it was kind of funny how easy she made friends with people at the school when she did go, and how she ended up having a really great not so much principal. We all know Miss Trunchbull's crazy. But how she had Miss Honey in it, they were like twin, like twin flames or whatever you want to call. It. They were so similar of how they grew yeah, up. No, they, they're definitely and, mirror images of each other in a weird way, which is kind of cool. Like that's really, you know, obviously, I think it's why I think that's why the story, just story in the movie and everything, it just it's just timeless. Like you just, it it's is. just a good sit down rewatch and and all that yeah. stuff but yeah that's what i was saying it's like you can't like you may have been born into a family but you can always choose your family mm-hmm. you know if it, it comes to that you know basically she adopted her like that's great like yeah her I like family it. was like peace out yeah exactly right <laughs> that's a whole thing too but yeah uh but as we normally do on the show we're gonna go over some facts of the movie um some production history uh figures of it all that kind of stuff so with this uh matilda was released august 2nd of uh 1996 which uh when you're hearing this i think it'll be back on the um actual day of that so happy birthday matilda you know whatever <laughs> was directed by Dana devito who also is in the movie and he narrates it uh it was written by nicholas kazan and robin swickard obviously based off of the book matilda from roald Dahl, um who did things like the witches and also james the giant peach Fun fact, I uh, can I can say I haven't read Matilda. I'm horrible. Sorry. <laughs> I've not read the book. But Did I'm you know that sure Kate Winslet does the audiobook? No. She does. I wish Mara Wilson did it. I so wish of that. But I, don't anyway. read. I I never did. I don't think I, if I ever did read it, it was I, I started to read it, but I never read it when I was younger. But Mark mm. told me he read it. I'm pretty sure. He said he read it when he was like younger. Like he read Matilda. I'm like, oh, okay. Love that. He's not much of a He's not much of a book person, but it was, I thought that was funny. He's actually saying that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was produced by Danny DeVito, Michael Schamberg, uh, Stacey Scher, and Felicity Dahl, who I believe is either probably the daughter of him, because I don't know if Raul Dahl's wife is still alive or whatever. It's either his wife or his daughter, probably, that was producing this movie as well. Uh, it was a budget of $36 million, um, and with a gross U.S. and worldwide box office of $33,459,416. So technically, this was a um, financial flop, I guess you could say. Also, though, I'll get into it. I think this actually did well critically, funny enough. We're looking at a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes on the tomato meter from the critics, and then 73% audience score, um, and then a 7 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 3.7 out of 5 on uh, Letterboxd. And then we have, um, do you know how many, <laughs> I was on t- Rotten Tomatoes today, and because um, I I kind of like pushed off this episode a little bit but uh i was getting my facts today and there was only one quote i found that was actually kind of negative if you will and it comes from david n butterworth of rec.com 
arts.movies.reviews, who states that the adult performers fare considerably better than the young lead in this faithful adaptation of the Roald Dahl classic. Um, but it was literally like that and like somebody else's like star review. And that was it. Everybody else had something positive to say, which is really nice. Like Roger Ebert said nice things about this movie. Like it seems to have done well um, in the eyes of critics and stuff like that. Yeah. I know you always look for a negative review because they're so fun. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and but then our know, cast. Like when you think about ahead. it, when you think about it, like what is there really negative to say about this movie? Not much. I you mean, know? really, and I don't think so. Like uh, even like Mara Wilson, like she wasn't much of an actress anyway. You know, she was kind of put into it by her mother. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, go listen to Mara Wilson on um, really anything she's done, but. Uh, Oh, this is going to be Mara Wilson, Stan Hour, because I love her a lot. But um, she actually was just on um, Vulnerable with Christy Carlson Romano. Um, she's been on there twice, actually. She was on there once, uh, like a year or so ago. And then there was another time she was just on it because she has a book or something that she's releasing. And she talked about like her mom and like um, how her mom's like mom was really vain and like all this kind of stuff. Uh, so like kind of pushed her into this a little bit if you will but like um so yeah i don't think mara wilson was like a fantastic uh child actor or anything she was fine she worked but like you know uh for somebody to say that like uh the adults fare better than this person i'm like yeah you have danny devito and rhea perlman like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> like right. duh like and also- mara wilson's not like a prodigy with an actor but she's a perfectly serviceable actress right like, she was also like eight or ten or whatever. Right. So she like, only been in. She had only been in Missed Outfire, which was mm-hmm, like and Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Really, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I believe uh, there could be another movie that I'm missing, but those Maybe, are the two yeah. that you know. Those and, are the big ones, yeah. Yeah, and obviously we've all seen Missed Outfire. It's like a classic. I've so never good. seen Miracle on Thirty Four. Well, I know Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street's a, a remake. Yeah. <laughs> at the same, you know, she did these with probably three or four years of each other quick so succession if anything yeah yeah because for sure realistically this is probably the last movie she did where she was a kid right she was and then she did thomas and the uh thomas's tanks engine and the magical railroad or whatever which also has the little brother from bring it on in it as well um <laughs> that guy uh and also there was somebody else in it or whatever anyway she was in that but she was like 12 so she was like kind of a preteen, and then that was like her last role that she had on camera until she came back on like on um, the Nostalgia Critic, um, and then also um, she's done voiceover as well um, and all that kind of stuff. That's why I wish she would do an audiobook of Matilda. It would be so lit. But anyway, whatever. Anyway, so uh, yeah, we have Mara Wilson as we stated as Matilda Wormwood, and then she was played by. Um, actually really uh different twins as a baby she was actually played by both uh female and male uh people (laughs) so when she's a newborn uh i think partly it's like a twin girls and then i think when they're in the she's in the car in the back i believe that's probably twin boys honestly or something like that and then nine month olds is played by um these two twins um and then there's a two-year-old she's played by these two twin girls um and then she's played by a four-year-old uh who's like younger and then she turns into Mara Wilson um, and Beth Davids um, as Jennifer Honey, who is the teacher at um, I think it's a Crunchem Acad- um Crunchem Hall, I believe. Uh, and Beth Davids love her. She's from 13 ghosts. She's uh, 
in Army of Darkness, which was her uh, film debut, funny enough, in an Evil Dead movie. And she was also in Shinlo's List as well. Amazing, wonderful, lovely, South African-American person, like, you know, cool. Pam Ferris, who is Agatha Trunchbull. Do you know who she is? Do you know what she's from? This movie, but also... Call the Midwife. She is on Call the Midwife, and she was also the aunt who uh, blows away in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Well, in, yes, our, our mom loves like British shows and she watches Call the Midwife. And yeah. so well, I was so like, oh, you know that she's in that, that, right? Yeah, no, it was it was so funny because she was watching that a while back. And I was sitting there, you know, I, was like, I, I, I had no still been living at home a couple years back and yeah. she had it on. And I was like, you know, just kind of just looking at the TV and I look and I'm like, that looks like Miss Trunchbull because she will always and forever be Miss Trunchbull. Oh, she of course. She won't be Harry Potter's aunt. She yeah, she won't be that. She yeah. will always be the Trunchbull, okay? Like, that's what she is. That's that's who she is, you know? I think it's technically she's the sister of the aunt or whatever, right? Okay. Whatever. No, that's true. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's in the Harry Potter world. We'll just give it that. She, she she's in the Harry Trunchbull. Potter world. <laughs> right. She will be Trunchbull, so, absolutely. So, when I was looking at that, I was like, God, she looks like her. I was like, has to be. And then, of course, mm-hmm. yeah, I like did my life. I'm like, yep. And then I was like, Mom, I was like, did you know that that's Miss Trunchbull from Matilda? Uh-huh. And I don't know if she said yesterday. I can't remember what her if she knew or not. But I was like, <laughs> like, I feel like the last thing I saw her in was Matilda. And then this year and this, obviously, called Windwife is all nuns. So she obviously played a nun. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was interesting. Uh, she didn't play as cruel of a character as Miss no. Trunchbull, but she still kind of had that same sternness. If that yeah, sense. totally. Like, yeah, still, sure. Kind of played similar, but she wasn't as mean as she was in yeah. the Matilda. Yeah. But it's like, and then we have Danny. Does she get typecast? She, she kind of gets typecast. Probably does. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause even um, when she's Aunt Marge, like she's a bitch. So, like, yeah. Um, then you have Danny DeVito, who is the producer and director of this movie, also playing Harry Wormwood, who's Matilda's dad. And Rhea Perlman is his mom, uh, his, his real life wife. Uh, well, they're actually separated. They don't, they're still married, but they're separated. So they haven't divorced yet. Um, I don't think they will, but whatever. Um, anyway, so. So she plays Zinnia Wormwood, who is honestly just tackiness uh, goals, obviously. <laughs> Zinnia Wormwood. What a, what a name. Zinnia. Zinnia Wormwood. Zinnia. What the fuck does... I mean, I love you, Zinnias, but like, I'm just saying, like, there's anybody named Zinnia listening. But I mean, come on now. Uh, and then also Paul Rubens and Tracy Walter are Bob and Bill, um, who are two... Uh, boat salesmen who are really FBI agents who are staking out the Wormwood residence. <laughs> um, and then you have like Brian Levinson who plays Michael Wormwood, who's her brother. Uh, Kiami uh, DeVale as Lavender, um, who I love. Uh, she's one of Matilda's friends. Uh, Jacqueline Steiger who plays Amanda Thripp. Jimmy Cars as Bruce Bogtrotter. Some of these names. My God. Ira Spencer Hesser as Hortensia, which I love that name for some reason. Um, and then Jean Spiegel Howard as Mrs. Phelps, who's the uh, uh, she is the librarian in the beginning. But do you know who that is, Sarah? Do you know who her children are? The the old lady at um the library? Yes. You're asking me who if I know who her children are? Yes, because they're famous. What's the last name? Jean Spiegel Howard. Bryce How- Bryce Dallas Howard? That is her granddaughter. Because that's Ron Howard's mom and Clint really? Howard's mom. Yes. Yes. Wow. 
uh-huh clint howard who is the ice cream man and like he's uh-huh. republican and kind of weird but like uh him yeah, he, and he plays also, a lot of like um he's like a weirdo like he plays parts. a weirdo but then also ron howard who's literally opie from andy griffith's show and like being and fucking Richie ron from howard Happy Days. Yeah. right that's literally his mom in the beginning so yeah fun fun times so. i didn't know that Yes, that is. And she has she had her own um career too. Like she did other stuff, but in her a later age, like um the movie who actually Bryce Dallas Howard's in it, The Grinch to Soul Christmas with Jim Carrey, that's dedicated to her honor because she was dead by the time it came out. Yeah. Um, but like Bryce How Bryce Dallas Howard's in that, Clint Howard's in it. Because Ron Howard, I, I think, made that it. yeah, he directed it, yeah. so it makes enough sense. But yeah, no, she was in that and she's been in other movies too, and yeah, that's like so funny. I was just like, that's so I cool. literally did not know that. Like that is, you, like you telling me that. I ne- I didn't. I never knew that. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm always looking at my trivia. But yeah, no, she's so like literally a famous mother of like literally a famous ass director and actor. So it's like so. kind of like nepo baby and then nepo baby. Um, I kind of. I don't. I don't know if she was like super famous necessarily, but like her children probably became more famous than she was specifically ron howard um yeah. but like because even clint howard i mean he's known but like he's very much a genre actor he's very much known in like the horror sphere because he plays like horror characters and shit like that but yeah but yeah she i love that for her and then Bra- bryce definitely dallas, more famous definitely more famous but like and then bryce dallas howard's just as famous as her dad really so it's like it's crazy how that kind of works and all that it's so crazy anyway um and then john lovitz is a here too um he is uh the host of million dollar sticky which these fucking this whole movie is just like ridiculous and i love it it's so great but anyway so so here's the thing so writing the novel so we'll talk as i normally have and um some of my most recent episodes i've been doing like adaptations of books in a way so i talk about them a little bit so like writing the novel for example so uh Dahl, he is he has been seen as a problematic figure in in some stuff. I don't know why all that. I didn't do all that research, but whatever. He made some iconic stuff. I mean, the witches, uh, this James and the Giant Peach. Um, did you watch? Did you ever watch Coraline? I know you probably did because of um the kids. I watched it before them. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Because that's one of our uh, shout out, shout out Barbie. That's one of her uh, daughters. One of the favorite movies she had when she was young, and I don't think Barbie was into that. No. Sorry, yeah, no. It is a good little movie, though. But Roald Dahl, he initially drafted this uh, novel. He portrayed Matilda as a wicked, irrational girl. Um, her name being drawn from um, Hilary Belloc's uh, poem, Matilda, who so- told such dreadful lies, who tortured her innocent parents and used her psychoneconic powers to help an unethical teacher win money at horse racing. Uh, so it was the initial draft that he had. And then um, a biographer by the name of Jerry uh, Jeremy uh, Treglone uh, went through the author's documents, including the drafts for the novel, and noted that the American editor uh, by the name of uh, a guy by the name of Stephen uh, Roxburgh had been instrumental in just reshaping the story. Uh, so it was the editor's idea to make her innocent, uh, who 
she's an innocent child who likes books um, and with her powers manifesting as a result of the abuse that she's endured. And so Roxburgh also suggested various changes um, to the main character that was incorporated into the finished novel. And um, as Dahl decided to uh, take the manuscript to a different publisher, the two had a falling out. And so the edited version of the manuscript was produced by Puffin Books. And then um, Roald Dahl, he explained in an interview that he got it wrong at first and that the book took over a year to rewrite, even though he failed to mention um, Rockberg's input. Uh, Sarah's also showing me our uh, the dog right now, our our cute little dog that we that I've had before and that she has at her house. <laughs> Uh, and then the, some inspirations for this uh, particular novel was that the mean and lonesome um, Mrs. Pratchett, um, owner of the sweet shop doll, frequented um, as a boy in Cardiff, England, um, was the inspiration for Miss Trunchbull. And then Mr. Wormwood uh, was based on a real life character from Doll's home village um, in Buckinghamshire. Uh, the library in Great uh, Miss Endon, which is where he lived, uh, was the inspiration for the library in the beginning. And then Lucy Dahl, um, who's his daughter. So maybe Felicity Dahl was his wife or whatever. But uh, she stated that her father's novel was in part about his love for books. And she's quoted as saying, I think there was a deep, genuine fear within his heart. Um, that books were going to be going away and he wanted to write about it. So a little bit of a plot summary. Um, There's a big old plot summary of this fucking book, but let me go through it real quick. So in a small Buckinghamshire village, 40 minutes by bus away from Reading and eight miles from Islesbury, uh, Matilda Wormwood is born to Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood. She immediately shows amazing precocity, uh, learning to speak at age one and to read by age three and a half, perusing all the children's books in the library by the age of four and three months, and moving on to longer classics such as Great Expectations and Jane Eyre. However, her parents emotionally abuse her and completely refuse to acknowledge her abilities. Uh, To keep her from being frustrated, Matilda finds herself forced to pull pranks on them, like gluing her father's hat to his head, um, sticking a parrot in the chimney to simulate like a burglar or ghost, and then also bleaching her father's hair with peroxide. At the age of five and a half, Matilda enters school and befriends her teacher, Miss Jennifer Honey, who is astonished by her intellectual abilities. And Miss Honey tries to move Matilda into a higher class, but the tyrannical headmistress, Miss Agatha Trunchbull, refuses. Miss Honey also tries to talk to Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood about her daughter's intelligence, but they ignore her, uh, with the mother contending braininess is an undesirable trait in a little girl. Miss Trunchbull uh, later confronts a girl named Amanda Thrip for wearing pigtails and does a hammer throw with the girl on the playground fence. And a boy named Bruce, Bruce Brogtrotter uh, is later caught by the cook stealing a piece of cake from Miss Trunchbull. And the headmistress attempts to have him eat an 18-inch wide cake in front of the assembly and then smashes the platter over his head um, after he unexpectedly succeeds in eating the whole cake. Matilda quickly develops a particularly strong bond with Miss Honey and watches as Trunchbull terrorizes her students with deliberately creative over-the-top punishments to prevent parents from believing them, such as throwing them in a dark closet called the Chokey, which is lined with nails and broken glass. And when Matilda's friend Lavender plays a practical joke on Trunchbull by placing a newt in her jug of water, Matilda is blamed, and in anger, she uses an unexpected power of telekinesis to tip the glass over, containing the newt onto Trunchbull. Matilda reveals her new powers to Miss Honey, who confides that after her wealthy father, Dr. Magnus Honey, suspiciously died she was raised by an abusive aunt revealed to be miss trunchbull 
Trunchbull appears among other misdeeds to be withholding um, her niece's inheritance. And so she lives in poverty, Miss Honey, um, in a derelict farm cottage. And her salary is being paid into Miss Trunchbull's bank account for the first 10 years of her teaching career, while she is restricted to one pound per week in pocket money and preparing to avenge Miss Honey uh matilda she practices her um telekinesis and later during a sadistic lesson that trunchbull is teaching she telekinetically raises a piece of chalk to the board and begins to use it to uh write posing as the spirit of magnus addressing miss trunchbull using her first name magnus demands that miss trunchbull hand over um miss honey's house and wages and leaves the school causing her to faint uh, the next day, uh, the school's deputy headmaster, Mr. Tribley, uh, visits Trunchbull's house and finds it empty, except for signs of Trunchbull's hasty exit. She's never seen from again, and the next day, Miss Honey receives a letter from a local solicitor's office telling her that her father's lifetime savings were safe in the bank, and the property she lived in as a kid was left to her. So the guy becomes the new headmaster, proving himself to be capable and good-natured, overwhelmingly improving the school's atmosphere and curriculum, and quickly moving Matilda into the top-form class with the 11-year-olds. Um, and then rather, uh, to Matilda's relief, she soon is no longer capable of telekinesis. Uh, Miss Honey theorizes that this is because Matilda is using her brain power on a more challenging curriculum, leaving less of her brain's enormous energy free. And then uh, Matilda continues to visit Miss Honey at her house regularly, returning home one day to find her parents and her older brother, Michael, hastily packing to leave for Spain. Uh, Miss Honey explains that uh, this is because the police found out that Mr. Wormwood has been selling stolen cars. Um, and then Matilda asks permission to live with Miss Honey, to which her parents uh, rather distractingly um, agree to. And then Matilda and Miss Honey find their happy ending as the Wormwoods drive away, never to be seen from again. And so that is the plot summary of Matilda and pretty much the fucking movie plot summary, too. <laughs> uh she's just really funny to me uh but yeah so okay so why did they turn this into a movie then right do you have anything to add about that before we move on to anything? it is raining girl i can't hear it but it's fine no, not um not so much to say about the book but yeah it definitely sounds very similar mm -hmm. kind of beat per beat of how the movie goes um, pretty much but i will say because you not so much me yes i love harry styles and he has a song called matilda yeah. and basically in a sense it i don't want to say it's about this movie but like it is like if that makes sense that's why he named him Matilda because of how she's treated and like mm -hmm. yeah um, totally i like, mean oh it's not like a base per base, like the song is all about the movie. It's not like that. It's just like, is it kind of like that one song? guy? Is it kind of like that one guy? I, I haven't even listened to the song. Do you know who Lil Dicky is? Do you happen to know who that is? I think I've heard about him. Yeah. And he has a song called Freaky Friday. And I think the literal, um, the literal, uh, also Freaky Friday, fucking great movie. I just watched it not too long ago and it's so good. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, if <laughs> he has a song uh called freaky friday and literally the music video like is kind of parodying the movie a little bit I, and it's like two girls in bed with him i don't know who fucking yeah. is but anyway so uh so, but yeah mm -hmm. with, with matilda it says the ballad because it's a sad it's a song it's a sad song this ballad finds harry styles addressing a girl who's been ill-treated by her family Oh, okay. The singer encourages Matilda to stop associating with these people and move on from the toxic environment. Mm -hmm. And then it says that he basically, he wrote this for a friend or somebody he knows. 
Mm-hmm. But obviously used a different name. So he goes, Matilda isn't the real name of Styles, his mistreated acquaintance. The pop superstar took it from the title character of British writer Roald Dahl's 1988 children's novel Matilda, a young girl mm-hmm. with genius, and you know, we all know what it's about. So basically, he's writing it because of someone he knows and what they went through and named it Matilda because of because of the book and the in the movie, essentially. Not so bad. it's kind of kind of a cool little you know, I'm trying to insert Harry into everything, but he literally has a song, and that's what it's called. It's that's and fine. It it makes sense to cool. the to the movie, if anything. And plus, also, he's not that much older than us either. So, like, right. he probably definitely, as a Brit, oh yeah, saw oh, yeah. this movie, probably read the book, things like that. So yeah, that's cool. But anyway, yeah, in November of 1993, it was announced that Universal Pictures had won a screen adaptation of Matilda by Roald Dahl, written by Nicholas Kazan and Robin Swickard. Um, following a heated bidding war between Universal and Columbia Pictures, and following disagreements between Dana DeVito and Bregman Bear Productions over budgetary res- uh, concerns, Universal put Matilda into turnaround, which is just like a development hell, pretty much, um, with Columbia TriStar Pictures picking up the project. So that's how that worked. Do you know who Miriam Margulies is? Do you happen to know who that is? Have you ever seen the Harry Potter movie, the f- second one? Yes, it's been a long time, though. Do you remember Professor Sprout, who she's okay. like the, well, that's Marianne um, Margulies, pretty much. She's like a very, uh, she's a, a British comedian. Um, she's like a lesbian in real life. And she's just like really uh, blue and kind of like foul, but like in a funny way, kind of. It was confirmed that she auditioned for the role of Agatha Trunchbull um, during a filmed uh, interview with Joe Brand uh, for the UK TV special, uh, which they did Revolting Rulebook, um, which apparently was hosted by Richard E. Grant. And it was uh, done on uh, September 22nd, a couple days after your birthday, um, 2007. Uh, this documentary that they had uh, commemorated the 90th birthday of Dahl and also celebrated his impact as a children's author in popular culture. Uh, and funny enough, Marianne, uh, Miriam Margulies, um, she went on to be Aunt Sponge um, and also the glow worm in James and the Giant Peach, which was also released in 1996. Because again, that's, another one of his books he was having a good year in 1996 i guess and then let's see uh pam ferris uh she incurred several injuries on this production so where she's whacked with like the uh, chalkboard rubber things um it required her to keep her eyes closed um and she pretty much just had like chalk dust get into her eyes and she had to get her eyes washed out and then the scene where Trunchbull uh, twirls Amanda Thrip uh, by her pigtails required a harness to support the little girl, the wires of which were threaded through the pigtails and then looped around her fingertips to give her a grip. Um, and as she uh, swung her around, the centrifugal um, force uh, grew too great and it tore the top part of Ferris's finger, which means she had to get six or seven stitches in her finger when she was doing that scene. But apparently the little girl, Jacqueline Steiger, uh, she just thought it was kind of fun, apparently. Um, if you own the Blu-ray of this or anything like that, I think recently, um, if you have it, and you can find it on YouTube, actually, there is this nice little reunion that they have uh, where it has a bunch of the people from the movie. So it has like literally uh, like Rhea Perlman and Danny DeVito are there. Pam Ferris is there. Uh, the guy who plays Bruce, who turned out to be a very handsome young man. Uh, he's there. Uh, Amanda Thripp is there. Uh, the girl who plays Lavender is there. Like, And if anything, I feel like this, it seems like this set was so 
friendly and open and lovely really which is crazy because danny devito is definitely somebody who like can play these like villains he's the fucking penguin you know he he can play these like kind of smarmy people right but at his core i think he seems to have a really good heart um and mara wilson even said like you know like, I think people kind of conflated a little bit of like they somehow like took her in after her mom passed away, which we'll get to. But like, you know, I think it was more so just like during a time like that, they really did open themselves to be like a a safe space for her to to go to. And that's like so super cool. I think that's so wonderful. But yeah. Did you have anything else to add about anything like that? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, like, it's just, that's just what it seems like. It doesn't seem like there was much of, like, you know, drama on set or anything like that. Uh, this is mostly a kid movie. So, like, you want to make sure the kids are working in conditions that, you know, are not um, exploitative, obviously. But also, it's, like, these things of, um, it just seems like they had a really good time. So, I'm very happy for that. The Crank House, that's a real place, okay? And Sarah is going to Los Angeles in a couple of months uh, for her honeymoon. She will be stopping off at LA at one point. That in San Diego, I think. Um, but anyway, so um, <laughs> the Crank House, which is in Altadena, um, which is in Los Angeles, uh, it stood in for uh, Miss Trunchbull's house. Uh, the exterior of Matilda's house is in Whittier, on Youngwood Drive, and then the Pasadena Public Library is literally the library from the beginning. But Sarah, do you know what other movies The Crank House has been used for? No. <laughs> All right. So oh, if you oh, look, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You think wait you might know one? No. I, well, yes, only because I think I read something yesterday. Scream. Mm-hmm. Scream too. It's the Omega Beta Zeta house where CC Cooper dies, unfortunately. But I read that and I was like, oh, Jesse, oh, Jesse, be like a nice information. Well, yes. And also, if you listen, well, you didn't listen to it, I don't think. But um, in my Hocus Pocus episode, it is also Vanessa's house. It is Allison's house. Like, literally, when you think of it. No, I did listen to Hocus Pocus. No, but I'm just saying, like, but I think I mentioned it there, too, because I also said it's a Scream 2 house. So it is. But yeah, it's also so that place is literally also Allison's house from from Hocus Pocus because the interior of that house I'm if I'm not mistaken I don't think they use that as interior of her house I think it's the exterior of it because the Hocus Pocus house and the Scream 2 house on the inside look the same when you look at um, Allison's house in Hocus Pocus and you look at the Omega Beta Zeta house in Scream 2, they are the same house, which is crazy to me. I'm just like, what the fuck? But yeah, I don't. I think they use the outside of this house for this because when I looked at this yesterday, when you think about it, um, it doesn't look the same because it's very distinctive to me, at least. Wow. You're so you're saying the inside of the house is the same, not the outside? I think the outside is what it is. I don't think the inside's the same. But I don't think that's right because the because when when Hocus Pocus when <laughs> they are trick or treating, yeah, Danny and Max are trick or treating, and they get to it, they're like, "Whoa, who lives here?" I think that's I Alice think yeah, but so I think it's the inside it's of her not house. The same house was Oh, I don't think it is. I think it's like I said. I think it's the outside of it is what it is. I think the inside of the crank house, I know people are probably like, what the hell are you guys talking about? But like, I think the inside of the crank house. They're like, who cares? 
it's like two yeah exactly but like you know but um i think the inside of the crank house i believe like literally vanessa shaw's house in hocus pocus and then um omega bay zeta house but then uh i guess the outside of it or something or something like that yeah i don't think the exterior of um allison's house is that same house i think it's a different house apparently but the inside is the crank house like because it does look like the Scream 2 house, like very much so. I guess they just use it for the exteriors, I guess, or something. Because it doesn't look like, it really does not look like the same house, though. I'm just like, that is not the Omega Beta Zeta house. I should know. I love Scream 2. Ugh, obviously. But anyway, that's enough about that, though. But just know that this is all shot in Los Angeles, pretty much, as a bunch of movies are. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what that is. But uh, And then also in uh, March 10th of 1995, Mar Wilson's mother, Susie Wilson, uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer during filming and then later died April 26th of 1986, which was four months before the release of this film. Um, so it was dedicated in her memory. And then Danny DeVito did reveal that he did get to show the final edit to Susie Wilson before she passed away. So, so that she could see her daughter uh, perform and be Batilda. That's very nice and lovely. But yeah. I didn't but, yeah. know for a long time that her mom, like, I didn't know, like, obviously when I was younger, I didn't know that her mom was sick mm-hmm. and that she died. Um, so only in recent years have I known that her mom was sick with cancer and ended up passing. And basically, like, Danny DeVito and Rio Perlman took her in in the sense of, like, when they were shooting stuff, like, they took yeah. her in and cared for her you know they, they did yeah i think it was also because the father so it was very that was very uh different from how they were the, <laughs> yes. how, what characters they played i think her father was just probably overwhelmed by the fact that her her his wife died and i think just needed to get his bearings together you know kind of get himself situated so yeah i definitely think that those two um really did kind of help to provide a safe space for for matilda for mara wilson um you know which is just really nice again she talks about it in her um she has talked about this before too because i think some people conflate this idea that like like they somehow like you know but they did like let her stay with them or like they let her stay with um them and all that kind of stuff it's you know because of course like you just worked on this like movie that i think for all intents and purposes it was popular with the children if anything i i do think that even though this movie cost a buttload to make it cost like 36 million dollars and it only made 33 billion but this is still a movie that is lauded by people who saw it when they were kids and really look at it as something to be revered and to pass on to other people you know what i mean um so I think that's like super cool and I love that. Um I will I will also say too, so there's this movie, there's the book, obviously, and there is the movie musical that's on Netflix. Did you watch that at all or no? No, I didn't. You didn't? Yeah, I didn't either. I have seen the show on Broadway with my friend. Uh we went and it, the music is so good. It's so lovely and wonderful. Um so please go get the Matilda soundtrack. Go download it right now. It's really good. Yeah, but like, I like the musical enough. I have not seen the movie musical, so I don't really know. I can't really say anything about it, but it's always going to be 
this for me. Do you know what I mean? Although funny enough, Sarah has not seen, but uh, Barbie has seen Hereditary. You have not seen Hereditary yet. One of the the main girl in that, uh, Charlie, here's her name. She's played by Millie Shapiro. And Millie Shapiro is one of the girls who was one of four girls who played Matilda on its original Broadway run. Um, so she would like kind of rotate and all that because um, they would rotate uh, different girls playing Matilda um and all that but that movie that musical is really fucking good so please go listen to its soundtrack i don't know what the movie musical is like so i don't want to really comment on it but it's a little bit more to the book like it's it's set in the uk from what i remember this is very americanized if you will it's kind of anywhere here in usa um but yeah there's that but yeah i mean and and uh i just don't the thing is is that like this movie i also don't think I, I have thought this a couple of different times with different movies, uh, even though they've wanted to say like, you know, maybe we could do a sequel or whatever. I don't really know what fucking kind of sequel they could do. You know what I mean? And I also never want them to remake this. I mean, I know things get remade a bunch of times. Um, I think this movie lives in a perfectly good, nice little um, <laughs> space of like, it doesn't need to get remade. I don't count the the musical movie as a remake because it's just adapting the musical pretty much. Um, so, you know, but like, yeah, I just don't need, I don't see the need for it. I also don't think that like, I don't know, like, Maybe it's because our society is very sensitive to stuff like that, which is fine. But I feel like this particular adaptation, you know, that is of this movie. Again, I think it's as mature as it needs to be. Um, And I appreciate that for what it is. I would still want to show a kid this. Um, It's so, so um, it's such a good movie to show kids, I think, too. Um, and all of that i also kind of want to delve a little into just this idea of like how i feel like also with queer folks especially seeing this movie and connecting with it because uh fun fun little fact that mara wilson herself is a queer woman she's a bisexual person uh, which is lovely but after watching this uh earlier today I really do see that, like, I can understand why somebody would really look at this as a, like, little girl, maybe, or even just, like, a uh, person who has kind of been made to feel othered by people, whether it be for being queer or being, like, whatever the hell, right? So it doesn't shock me that, like, people in the queer community could really go to this movie uh, to be like, wow, like, yeah, that that feels really like it feels close to my heart, if anything, because, you know, I mean, Matilda is obviously a child, so doesn't exactly have the the best understanding of sexuality as itself. But like, you know, I, I just feel like this is a story about abuse, really, but this kind of emotional abuse and her being able to go through that trauma and come out on the other end of it if anything and and yeah i just think that's like really nice and and it wasn't until i watched it now i really see that and i'm just like wow good on you danny devito for like capturing that and being like really good about it like you know because there is a bit of a deeper thing 
to this movie than a normal children's movie i feel like that's my personal thought do you have any thoughts to share with that either at all especially looking at it with adult eyes now i know you kind of mentioned it a little earlier but like was there anything that kind of stood out to you that you could like think of not really no kind of just the same thing like you you don't realize until like you're older where you're like wow they they really hmm, this is actually a good little message and this is just like a bit of a different kid movie than what you're used to with these other with of its other ilk that is there you know what i mean within the genre if you will we'll do what i think we will go through like a bit of the we already kind of went through the book plot summary and um I don't think we need to go through a beat by beat, like literal plot summary of the movie, but I think we can at least talk about just some of these like characters and also some just like very, very um, notable scenes. If anything, I'm trying to like uh, play what is I'm trying to change up my formatting here. So it's not too boring or anything like that. But no, I, I think um, if anything, I don't just want to talk about like, here's what happens in this movie. Da, da, da. You already heard about it, but I kind of want to know like, you know, what do we think about this person or what do we think about these scenes or whatever? Um, or what kind of stood out to us? Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think if anything, so like we can go through some of these like main characters, I feel like too. So what do you feel? What do you feel about like Matilda as a character? Like, what is it about her? Do you connect with her in any way or what is something, what do you think of her? I guess. She's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. And she has a mind of her own, obviously. Like she, when when they're like, "Hey," you know, mm-hmm. like later on in the movie when they're like, "Hey," like you know, like when she's she's cut from a different cloth of her family. She yeah. is her own person. She doesn't just go with the crowd of mm-hmm. they're doing wrong things. I'm part of this family. I'm going to do wrong things. Whereas her brother is like basically just like scum as well. Mm-hmm. And she's you know she's she's a good egg like she yeah like i said earlier she was born into a family that didn't care about her and they definitely say that in the movie mm-hmm. and i don't know she's a good character she's a good character and they definitely got a good actress to got to you know fill yeah. that role out for her believable but, if anything yeah yeah i agree i can i can definitely see like someone like matilda and again it's it's i can understand why people she's our main character and it's crazy to me that like so many people have been affected by this film everybody from like i said queer folks who look at this and they're like wow matilda like i fucking get it like my family also didn't really care that much about me and when they found out i was this like oh god but also like young girls who were like wow i get to see a girl on screen who i actually feel like i could be like that's cool like she's not like like, you know relate to her in the sense that like i feel like we can't like relate in that sense like but but unfortunately there is people out there that can relate very much to her that they were just a mistake or they yeah you know or they're a victim of this kind of abuse you know and and it's like being able to see that and see something like that that is handled in i think a tactful manner so people Um, are like that was my life like they they can and so for them to have a movie that they can reflect on Mm -hmm. and to be like okay well this these type of things can happen things can be tough but of course it's it's a what pg or g movie it's pg it's PG, so it's not going to have a lot of you know craziness in it because unfortunately 
people that are in these type of situations or children that are in these type yeah. of situations probably have worse things happen. But you know, True. it's nice that there's a movie out there that can show the light and show yeah. that things can change and yeah, all that. So, Agreed. like I said, we I can't personally right, you know, but there is people I know that there. I'm sure there's tons of people, boys and yeah. girls, can that can relate to her. And yeah. But you know whether you can relate to it or not, it's still a it's still a good movie to watch. It still brings across a good message. Yeah. It's a fun movie to watch with its yeah. different little quirks about it. So. I um, I also think it's funny that like it's that, and then also people, and we'll get to Miss Honey in a minute. But like also people who um are educators or librarians who also like this character <laughs> because. Matilda herself is like a student that you could kind of want somebody who loves learning and education, but also who loves books. And I think that's kind of like um, not the same as like Parker Posey and Party Girl, who like it was a party girl and she becomes a librarian, but like more so like this chick and even Maria uh, Mara Wilson has said like, you know, she feels like Matilda as an adult would be like a children's librarian or something like that makes total that checks out like you know so I think there's also people like that who again they're like oh my god I wanted to be a librarian because I saw Matilda or I wanted to be a teacher because I saw Matilda um and I saw this person who loved learning and loved education and even and, to go more into it honestly <clears throat> do it girl that's what obviously. we do here <laughs> librarian teacher but when you actually kind of go into the more what i was saying was is you could go deeper into it yes being a teacher obviously or being a librarian yeah. but if you kind of want to get down just a little bit deeper social worker or you know what i didn't even think about that sarah but that actually works very well like, if you i, I will say that deeper because you know unfortunately and yeah. i think that is a very type of gut-wrenching job it can be yeah um stressful i would like to say helpful but sometimes when you hear stuff but because of when if you want to go if you want to take away the sunshine and rainbows of the movie which Mm -hmm. there's not much of it i mean it it does have you know a happy ending which is great it if you kind of peel that away you know that could really inspire people to be like wow like (laughs) wow this girl is like yeah wow this girl is like not in the best of situations and right. she probably needs to get out of it um right. that's that's interesting that you make that parallel because i could see it that makes total sense because okay, again i would not have thought about this back in the day but sure but if this is you as an adult thinking like wow i could understand why somebody would watch this they'd want to be a teacher they'd want to be a librarian they'd want to right. do this but i can understand like somebody who's like oh you know like Maybe if I want to help children or help families in a way, again, social work is a whole crazy mess of a job, I'm sure. But like at the end of the day, it's trying to help people out and trying right. to help people survive life. But, you know, it's like, um, yeah, that's 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 kind of interesting. I never even heard of that, but I'll, I'll take it. Shit. Why not? Um, because, again, there is something to this where it's like this movie is, yes, a children's movie. But this is about a girl who is experiencing, like, (laughs) neglect from her family in terms of love, nurturing, any of that. Like, again, like, fucking, they don't, I don't know. It's just like, they don't care that much about her. You know what I mean? They do the bare minimum, like you said, but like, they don't give a shit that much about her. And it's like that, you know, uh, Harry Wormwood's all about kind of punishment and all that shit, whatever. But like, you know, it's it's not a great environment, I guess. So 
that is very interesting. We can also move on to our our next character of like what we think. Uh, what do you think about Miss Honey as a character? Because I love this character a lot. I've always liked Miss Honey as a character, and there's just really not much, really not much more to say about her other than she definitely needed in this story as a mm-hmm. protagonist. Mm-hmm. and a good character because there's not many of them when you kind of think of trunchbull the parents the brother mm-hmm. um all that stuff you don't really see um the goodness in the in the movie and you see mm-hmm. people like miss honey and lavender and her friends yeah and yeah. things like that and um and so yeah i mean it, it, she's just just so there's just it, she, she's, she's just she's just good when, when yeah. you think of a sweet caring person you know you wish that there was more miss honeys in the world there unfortunately yeah. there's not but i'm sure people can say that they've had a miss honey or yeah know a miss honey or had a miss honey or mm-hmm. they want to maybe strive and be a miss honey um yeah you know uh and that's amazing like that's that's awesome that you know she yeah. could portray a character an actor that's believable yeah and what she came through too and which you know you know it's kind of funny when you're watching the show or when you're watching the movie and Mm-hmm. You're like okay, and then you realize like who Trunchbull is to her, yeah. And that which well, her story when she was a child, and like kind of how similar she was to Matilda. Like, yeah, they grew up the same way almost. Well, yeah, similar but not the same, obviously. And how she was taken care of, you know, she was mm-hmm. taken care of by like a, a relative, whereas Matilda's was her parents. But yeah, I mean, Miss Honey is just sweet. I mean, mm-hmm. there's her, there's her name. I mean, they picked the, <laughs> right, right. He used the right you on know, the nose. <laughs> yeah, on the nose. You couldn't have did like Miss Butter or something like that. Or <laughs> right, know, no, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> or Miss something like that. Like Honey right. works, and it's it's all that. But yeah, I mean, I've always just I've always just liked the dynamic and and yeah. seeing Miss Honey and Matilda together. I've always just that was always a part of the movie. I liked to have when they had their scenes together. Uh, I I didn't I don't like so much when she has her scenes with her parents because it's kind of hard to watch that even though I know. you know when you're younger you don't think about it you're like oh it sucks but you kind of look at it older you know that really being seeing it through adult eyes you're like that's just you know she just kind of is a loner she just like yeah yeah feed me dress me and she's like but other than that they don't do anything like yeah she was very self you know self help sufficient sufficient to herself and she did her own thing and all that but yeah i always like the dynamic in the scenes you know when they yeah. had their walk and they went into the Trunchbull's house and all that stuff. So yeah, um, I agree. I've always liked their, their, their duo together. And mm-hmm. yeah, Miss Honey's just, and again, as far as the actress that portrays her, you know, I, I only knew that she was in a few things mm-hmm. and, um, and I don't know if she plays a lot of those. Actually, I don't think she actually does play a lot of those characters, but she, I, again, in I 13 ghosts, she's a, in 13 ghosts, she's a, yeah. uh, she's a two faced. Yeah, I was about to say. I was like, I'm pretty sure she was a thirteen ghost. She really she's right. a villain in that movie. She's a yeah. villain in that movie. <laughs> and then she was in Schindler's List too. I remember that. I think she was oh, uh, the wife of like one of the Nazi guys or something. Yeah, I'm yeah. Pretty so sure. I don't know if she played a bad character in that, or I mean, a comp- really she's, a whole bunch of good yeah. characters. I I do think that I haven't seen Army of Darkness, but I believe that she is literally like the co lead with Bruce Campbell in that movie, oh, okay. and so I believe I just she is like a good person. Ghost, I mean, yeah, I know her from Thirteen Ghosts, obviously Matilda, and vaguely from Schindler's List because honestly, yeah. um, don't want to dive too much into that movie, but uh, <laughs> we watched it in school because we did too. do, and it's um, it's Ooh, it's sad. Just, yeah. Oh yeah. 
And it's one of those movies that you see it one time and you don't need to see it again. Like, yeah. you don't need to get on that path again. It's long as shit, first it's off. Long, it's long. Oh, my God. It's long. And, well, I mean, I'm not, not even say that. I mean, yes, it's a long movie. So long movies are yeah. kind of like, you got to prepare to watch them for a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, like some other movies out there like that, like whatever. But obviously we all know that that is very much based on true events and God. how everything happened. And it is. It, it's it's tough it's really tough to watch some scenes and how people were treated it, it's um, the um the that. one so that it's sticks just one out you watch it and that's it the one that sticks out to me is um and we yeah. analyzed it in school at some point where it's um this is not a shinless podcast but whatever but um it is the scene where uh it's all in black and white and there's the girl little girl who's in the red um coat or whatever and then you you see that it's like the only color in it or whatever and then there's that and then you also realize that um while they're walking through the streets or whatever the hell um you see that it is snowing um like as part of it but then you realize that that snow is not actually snow, but it is ash from the people who are being burned up because they're dead. They're being burned. Yep. So it's like, it's a fucking depressing movie, but it's a very important movie. But it is one and of those things where you're like, I'm good. Maybe I don't need yeah. to watch that again. That's what I'm saying. I, I think I'm I watched fine. it. I think I watched it in 10th grade and I know the red part and it can of make the you cry. is yes. very significant you see her and then i do think there's a part where you see her and it's like piles of bodies and she's one of them and it's everything yeah. black and white and you see that red and it's very mm-hmm. it's very it's very gut-wrenching to watch and yeah i won't really go too much more into it but yeah again it's very any yeah. anything like that is very hard the boy in the striped pajamas you know the Anne frank you know anything uh-huh, that has to any do with that. that that time you will blow your eyes out you will it's just not it's not a it's not i mean I think it's important to watch those type of things. Sure. But I just don't want to cry all the time. And exactly me are, either. Those things hit a little too close to home for me. Um, it's, because yeah. of my husband and his family, they are Jewish. And, They're oh, Jewish, yeah. Uh, I don't want to say that they are, but they are. They're, but they have Mark's Jewish. Like a, yeah, Mark's like not a practicing, but, but his, his family yeah. is. And um, I'm sure maybe in some way, shape, or form, part mm-hmm. of that family may have been affected and because yeah. I love him and because I love his family that yeah. it makes my heart hurt that people it, they could have very just well been us like, it would have been all people that, yeah. are, that were us in our, our culture well even even that like it's just horrible even that like I mean our well me I still have the last name but you took your husband's last name but uh like you know uh we are very much a uh, German lineage and so it's kind of like, I wonder what our ancestors were doing during that time. I don't fucking know. But like, you know, I wonder what that was going on with that. But you I know, know. It's, it's one of those crazy. things where you're like, huh. Anyway, uh, but you know what movie? This movie did not make me cry, but it almost did. I will say, you know what scene did kind of get me a little bit? It's when they're walking back to Miss Honey's house. Because I'm just like, oh, this is so yeah. good. Uh, uh, but I you know what other movie? Sorry, go ahead. I don't think the title's ever made me cry. 
no i it, it just was like very nice but you know what other movie uh i don't know who they think they are but trying to make me cry freaky friday yeah we're bringing it back to freaky friday <laughs> because that um the end scene of that where um they're at the rehearsal dinner and then jamie lee curtis has that speech as uh and girl that made me almost cry beach i was like oh this is so good but anyway so yeah again on freaky friday who knows Maybe we'll do an episode on that uh anyway <laughs> But yeah, so no, I love Miss Honey. Um, she's very much somebody who I think of her in a weird way. I think of her as kind of like the Mr. Feeny for some people of like, you know, some people are like, I watched Boy Beats World and I wanted to be like a Mr. Feeny for people and I wanted to be a teacher. I feel like definitely there's people who are like, I wanted to be a teacher because I watched Matilda. I saw how wonderful Miss Honey was and I wanted to be that for people, uh, which is so cool. I didn't realize until watching it today, but it really is that these two characters, this duo, as you said, um, it is very much this mirror image of like, this is what you could be when you're older. And it's just so interesting to me that there is that kind of mirror image of like, this is Matilda and this is Miss Honey. And their stories are so similar. Uh, and, And I just think that's like really fun. And like, it's it's a smart way of doing it of just like these people are not that much different than each other and it just then goes to show like you can go through tragedy um like i said the the death was mysterious in the book but literally in the movie they say that they say it was ruled a suicide but even miss honey's like i know my dad didn't kill himself that's what they say um and then you find that it's implied pretty much that agatha Trunchbull had something to do with his death, probably. So it's always kind of been implied with that. Also, a fun little thing with uh, Trunchbull is that uh, sometimes uh, in on Broadway, when they did the musical, she'd be played by a man, which kind of makes sense because she is very masculine. Nothing wrong with masculine women or anything, but like I'm just saying, like it makes a little bit of sense that they would do that because it is this kind of over the top performance uh, that kind of makes sense. You'd have somebody you know, who's a man play this like really <laughs> I was looking on Letterbox today, um, and Matilda was under a uh a list of like where the lesbian is the villain. I was like, okay, you all gotta do Miss Trunchbull like that. She I don't know if it's a lesbian, but like whatever. I see the vision though. I get it. I see what you're saying, but come on now. <laughs> uh we don't actually know that, but whatever. And also, I mean, I guess just to kind of, because we already kind of talked about the Wormwoods, they're all kind of horrible. I just kind of wonder, like, I would assume that with the Wormwoods, at least with Harry Wormwood, because Zinnia Wormwood, the mom, she's just some lady who, like, got with this guy, I guess, right? Like, you know, but I kind of wonder with Mr. Wormwood, like, what did he go through? You know what I mean? Why is he the way he is? You know, like, I kind of wonder that a little bit. I wanted to say that, because we're not really going into the the plot summary of the the movie, I do want to say that some part, you know, I guess kind of more near the beginning of the movie. Well, we could talk Um, about, like, scenes and stuff, too. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, you can talk about, like, scenes that stood out to you, too. But when they, uh, I think this is when they were talking about school or Mm -hmm. something like that, when he goes, you're, um, I'm big, you're small, I'm smart, Mm -hmm. you're dumb, you know, whatever, he's at that whole spiel. Um, I'm right, you're wrong. And he says, 
a person. Like he doesn't say when a child is bad. He says when a person is bad. Yes, so she's yes. like, okay, <laughs> you guys yeah, have yeah. the definition of bad. So that's a, so when she um you know when she goes in and does the peroxide on her dad's hair, like you know when she switches the stuff over, yeah, and p- plays that plays that prank on them essentially, and then does the hat thing later on in the, in the scene or later on in the movie, like like fifteen minutes later after the movie when they go to work. But anyway, when they when she does the um the peroxide and all that. Mm-hmm. genius by the way genius like so it's very good so you know when you know she's like sitting there like oh let me eat my, let me eat my egos and you know she's sitting there and she's like waiting because she knows they're gonna come out and it's gonna be crazy and funny so then he comes out and then she was like hey you know zinnia is talking to him and she's wearing this um her like nighty like her mm-hmm. nighty like blue blue and green which i thought was funny because she's wearing that, but she's also wearing that when like she, they're in the room and she's like yes. trying to get out, and she has like her. I like to call her her frog eye mask. Yeah, it's so good. And I love I, I just because this could be a weird trait of me, but I like things like that. So I like that like her mask and <laughs> yes. her nighty matched. That it's funny, green. yeah. Um, because she's very in a, in a way supposed to be stylish in the movie, you know. Had you yeah, know, even though it's a little bit quirky. It's- it's tacky, quirky, kind of, yeah. But I always liked her eye mask and her, you know, because then you can see the whole nighty thing in the when she when she's uh, at breakfast and all that. Yeah. And then she drops the cereal because she's like, ah! I must so say, like, Zinnia Wormwood is a drag, like, queen. Honestly, right. I love her outfits in this. And, I mean, I'm sure there have been, like, people who have done Mrs. Wormwood from Matilda or oh, whatever, yeah. because it's right for it, because... Get, like, the, like, the wig, like, a yellow... Oh, it's like so a good. Yellow, like, like yes. Wig. This movie also, in a weird way, I mean, yeah, like, it, it has this camp to it that's so interesting to me because of things like Miss Trunchbull, you know, this mm. kind of person, uh, because of Mrs. Wormwood, and also just, like, how bombastic and kind of over the top uh, Mr. Wormwood is the whole family is you know even though Matilda and Miss Honey I think are very grounded characters you know um it's kind of this weird just like yeah it's just the the world that Danny Dito makes characters who are yes. the dad the mom the brother yeah. um who are like cartoonishly mean but like also yeah. it's like yeah. yeah I just think it's really interesting but yeah uh, but yeah I was um, I was I was I was kind of like that like even when I was younger I always kind of like like the matching of that and uh, i just not that i would wear but i just appreciated the mm-hmm. you know the matching of it and i guess that's just the way they had her in the movie how they had her um and also you know when they're <laughs> um when they're doing the the tv and he's like watch the tv and she's like yeah i'm gonna break the tv i always thought it was so funny when she starts screaming like when it breaks uh-huh and, like when she's like making that yelling it's just funny like the yelling she well, does afterwards yeah, well, to kind of go into, so we talked about some of the characters and all. I think with Trunchbull, like, she's just somebody who, to me at least, like, has just always kind of been a bully. And she just has been able to, like, she was able to turn that into something until, you know, it was, uh, you know, until she, like, kind of got her comeuppance or whatever. Miss Honey was actually her stepniece. So her stepsister was, so in all actuality, Miss Trunchbull was never really, truly related to miss honey in a way uh, okay she said when, when they had the little spiel you know when she came into her life or who she you know who the trunchbull is she's the stepsister of miss honey's mom so miss honey and magnus or whatever miss honey you know his mom her mom and dad had her and then that was that so her stepsister 
was the Trunchbull. So that means that, what, how do we know? I don't know how we know the lineage, but they were stepsisters. So that means they don't have any, they're only related by marriage. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so, so her, her, she was never truly blood related to Magnus or, 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 or Miss Honey's mom that had passed away. She was her stepsister. Got it. Okay. That's fair. But because she sense. was in the family, because she was a stepsister, she was family. That's what it was. But there wasn't actually, it wasn't like it was Magnus's like sister or something. Uh, okay. That's but yeah, I, I guess if anything, yeah, I mean like, so yeah, that actually does make it a little more fucked up. So because like, if anything, she's just kind of part of the family in a way. She was already, already probably like a uh, bully anyway. And so it just so happened that like, she was able to kind of get her flaws or whatever into, you know, something like this. So I don't know how much of a character is there in terms of that, except her just being cartoonishly evil, you know? So that's what it kind of is for me, if anything. But, um, but yeah, uh, I do want to try and get on some sort of track. So I think talking about the characters is good. That's fine. Were there any particular scenes that like kind of stood out to you or anything like that? Again, not going through a whole plot summary or anything, but are there any particular scenes that just like stand out to you or that kind of your favorite or like anything like that? So, Anyway, yeah, as far as scenes go, obviously, the chocolate cake scene. It's so good. And it look, and here's the thing. Yes. And here's the thing with that is that they make that chocolate cake look, because chocolate cake in itself is perfectly good, but like they make it look disgusting, though. Like, really, they make it look like, oh, dear God, like I don't think i would ever want to eat that fucking cake like are you kidding yeah. me you know what i mean and that's the really cool part about it is like they're able to turn something that generally is a sweet and is good but is literally like oh god they make it look horrible yeah. <laughs> because that's the point that they're supposed that is an to. iconic scene obviously like it's so good the fucking cake scene like chocolate cake scene oh my god um, yes iconic uh, another part i like is when Oh, another part I like is when I'm so I'm so fat. I love food. So the chocolate cake scene, and because these all kind of have to do with food, so I'm like I'm a fat. It's fine. So obviously the chocolate cake scene is very high up there. Um, the other scene I like, which I think is a little bit before this, is um I think is when they go to Cafe Laritz. Oh yes, yes. And yeah, it is because they they go to the, they go to the to the, to the car thing and. He's a, you know, we all know he's a crook and he's putting the stuff on there. And then he goes, hmm. she goes, I'm going to super, super glue his hat to his head. Mm-hmm. Smart. And, well, obviously, like he doesn't realize it is. And then so she's like, oh, I want the double bingo. And I was like, first off, how much did you win on that double bingo? They never said that. Sarah is a bingo connoisseur with our mother as well. They go to bingo every so often. Well, so I don't yes. win very much, but it's fun. Anyway, <laughs> but she's like, I want it. And I'm like, okay. So she's like, I want to go there. So they're like, fine. So they're going to this place. And they go in, and she's like, you have to take your hat off. This is a nice place. And he's like, of course, they're being trash. And she's, like, trying to pull the hat off of him. I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, he's, like, they're fighting back and forth, like, trying to get it off. And Matilda and, like, her brother are just kind of like, okay. And then, but anyway, so then he's like, it won't come off. And then, and then there's, like, the tray full of desserts that are there that he's on, the, like, that they're there they're on. And they, he ends up, like, flying into it. Everything goes everywhere. It splatters on the sun, like some type of thing. But Matilda's little, whatever it is, little dessert kind of just goes perfectly 
right in front of her and then the fork goes in and she starts eating it i always thought that was a cool scene it is a really cool you know, scene like, i like that one so, too yeah that's it and another part i like uh it's another favorite of mine is i have a couple actually um but the other one i like is when they go to the when they go to trunchbull's house and you know she's like let's go in there and then she's like okay she was like you know you yeah. gotta be quick whatever and they like go for the chocolates like the little chocolates that are in the, oh yeah, yeah yeah the thing and then they go to her room like miss honey's old room and all that so and then when like matilda goes back to like t- telekinetically get the things you know when she got the little two chocolates because some of the chocolates look good in there i know some of them do look really good that's why i'm like food based i'm like that looks good her dessert <laughs> looked good chocolate cake okay a chocolate could have been more appetizing but chocolate cake i'm thinking of it is chocolate cake it's good sure and sure. candy and then um the yeah the newt scene's funny with the water is hilarious yeah it's very good she's like it's a snake um and then then like the end of it you know like when you see her and honey her and honey um her and miss honey you know like roller skate around the living room and have a picnic Mm -hmm. at the sweet you know sweet um ending tie up yeah. of the movie and it's cute yeah. so those are definitely some scenes that stick out to me that i like but i've always kind of just liked the the chocolate cake scene because it's iconic and i like the yeah. little dessert uh dinner scene where yes. it, everything's chaotic and then her things in front of her and all that it, it's always very uh always it's just to kind of enjoy those ones yeah but um that's that was those, those are some of mine that i liked yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, I think for me, like, I enjoyed, I do like some of those scenes, like the chocolate cake scene is really fun. Um, I also like uh, when, I like the chase scene through the Trunchbull's house, because that was always, like, super yeah, cool saying, to me. I like that scene. Like, yeah. yeah, I liked, like, when they went to go look for the chocolate, and she was like, he'd have one, you know, like, she was saying how, like, she would, like, what would happen when uh-huh. she was little with her dad, and then, and all that. Like, it was kind of cool, like, watching that. But then I, I guess... I, and then going up to her old room and stuff like that. And then yeah, when yeah, yeah. goes back later to go get the thing from the tree. Um, but when they're actually in the house and like, they're basically running away from me and trying yes. to go and like, and so like taking the, the, like that ball or whatever the heck it is. And basically causing mm-hmm. a ruckus in the house, making yeah. trunch will go crazy. Um, right. I always, you know, that's kind of like, Oh, okay. That's a, that's a cool scene too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I really like that one personally. That's really good for me. Um, yeah because it's just like so like it has that um it has that bit of like you know oh there's some tension there which i kind of liked um there was that i also like some of these scenes are just so like because roald dahl as a a author is just kind of like a little odd and weird and whatever the hell and some of the movies that were made go ahead (laughs) again i'm so fat i just thought of another food one food based (laughs) I just thought about it because as you were saying, the quirky, uh, her little dance scene's cute uh-huh. when she's like doing everything and she kind of has her powers down. But this one ties more into the more in the beginning of the movie when she's younger. And she did that pancake, pancake clip. Those pancakes are good. They did look really good. I love she them. She did that and she was like, because she's like, seems on the stage. And she's like, I don't want this shit. And she throws it away. I'm like, that's where it's throws it away. <laughs> and she like, and she like makes the pancakes up and then and does that. I'm like, those pancakes look fire. So, yeah. Again, that's another that's always like another little favorite of mine just because it's, it's just like a cool little cute scene the it's music cute, yeah. playing and all that yeah and all that but again again apparently i like all these food ones because that's <laughs> yeah no i like that one there's there's like some tension there um i like the one near the end i like the one scene in the end where um trunchbull is run out of the school but it starts with like matilda using her powers to like 
conjure the spirit or to see me like that and it's just yeah, like the cool scene. it's always really cool because you have like the shutters um that are you know going back and forth and then the kids are and all like throwing shoot food at her they're throwing food at her they are all reading what's on the chalkboard in her face and i'm like that's right it's good it's, it's good there's that and then like but i like that scene there's like some horror in here a little bit too because like even the way they do the million dollar sticky where they have her um watching the tv and then explodes or whatever you're just like oh my god this is like horrifying like it's like requiem for a dream or some shit like because they Dude, are just showing that's like some carry shit no it really is like no it's like that or like they're just showing like these three people just like laughing crazily and then it, yeah it's like it's weird like it doesn't surprise me that some people could be a little as- afraid of this as a kid of just like what the hell is that scene? <laughs> like what is this you know but yeah i thought that was really good um yeah no, i i like those ones one that i thought that was interesting was just the fact of like why like for whatever reason like matilda like taking the tape from the fbi agents where she makes the car like um you know uh makes it move and whatever and they're like going through the garage or whatever and she's like i hope you have a search warrant because i read a book on constitutional law blah, 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 blah. you can lose your jobs and go to federal prison and they're like your dad's gonna go to federal prison also love that Wee herman's one of them like i love that um but anyway it's just like i just think it's interesting because it shows that like even though matilda is not really into her family and they're not really they don't fuck with her either but like she's still trying to like help them by like not sending them to jail (laughs) you know what i mean so i just thought that was kind of fun and it just shows a different little layer of matilda of like oh she at least wants to help her family out by not having her dad just immediately go to jail you know so i just thought that was kind of funny and I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. But yeah, no, those were, uh, I think those were like big scenes. Like, yeah, the chocolate cake one, I think it's a chase scene in general through the house. And then I think the ending for me, uh, and then the ending is just so freaking good. Like, I, I was literally saying this a couple days ago where I was like, because our mom was like, you know, we saw Harriet the Spy at that theater, right? And I was like, yes, we did. But we also saw Matilda there because I remember the literal end of the movie is where she brings Moby Dick over to, um, to, you know, when they're doing the bedtime story or whatever, which also Moby Dick is a bedtime story. Like what the hell? Okay. But, um, it's like, uh, it's that, but like, it is, I remember specifically that scene watching it on like the big screen. And I was like, that's why I remember I saw this in the theater. Cause I would have had to have, if I had that memory as like a kid or whatever. So, you know, but I, I don't know. I just think this movie is so good and wonderful and you know it's just like a uh, I think if anything like it's just a movie that I'm so happy exists Um, and I think it honestly have you seen the witches before yes it's been a long time but I've seen it yeah I haven't doesn't it have Angelica Houston in it it does she plays the main witch I believe yes I why do I, okay i want to say i watched it in middle school but i could be wrong but i want to say i did i think they put it like one tv for us one day but mm-hmm. i also think that there was a remake in the last couple of years of like Anne hathaway yes yes there was didn't watch that one but i watched the original one like the 90s one yeah like i can't say that i watched the witches uh and i haven't even seen james of the giant peach i think this is the only uh Roald Dahl thing I've watched except for Willy Wonka and like really Charlie and the Chocolate Factory although I've only seen Willy Wonka I haven't seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory the newer one um but I mean personally I think like this is like 
I don't know. It's like his best adaptation. Like a lot of them are really good. Like, I don't know about the movie musical, but I know that the musical itself and this movie is just really good. And I don't know. It's just, it's a movie that I'm so here for. I can say the witches, the one that from the nineties, I can say that it is a little creepier because I do remember there is a part of the movie that, so Angelica Houston is a witch. And again, I don't even remember how, like how the plot goes to be honest with you. But she's a witch, and then she there's a there's a part in the movie where it's her and maybe other people that are witches like undo themselves if that yes. makes sense. And like she's got like a pointed nose, kind of like a nose like Wizard of Oz witch from you know Wicked Witch of the West, and it's scary because it is scary if you've ever. <laughs> This is just me being a millennial, but there's like the BuzzFeed articles that are like 20 childhood movies scenes that are terrifying. And it's like, and that's one of them. And I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. But it's been so long, but I, I, I something tells me, I feel like I watch it in sixth grade. I don't know why that's sticking with me, but I feel like we watch it in sixth grade. You probably I could did. be wrong, but I think I did. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I'm like, okay. Yeah. No, so I, I think that's, like, that's my, that's my remembrance of it yeah your memory of of that and everything yeah no i just think like i feel like this movie i guess we'll start to wrap it up a little bit because you know we can only go on so much about this movie as a whole although we could go forever about it honestly i'm so here for it but i i do think that overall though i think this movie is something where i'm very happy that it does exist i'm very happy that like mara wilson grew up to be a perfectly well-adjusted young lady and she's doing perfectly well for herself. And I just like how if I uh, now that I've watched this as an adult, I like that there is something deeper to this movie than what I remember as a kid. You know, I think it is a mature movie that is not talking down to children. I think it sees it right where they're at. And also it just has a deeper message. And I, I guess I'd have to give that credit to um, maybe the writers of this, but also Dana DeVito um, for being able to direct this movie and have that um, help bring that vision to life, if anything. Um, So I'm just so happy. Like I would absolutely like, this is something you can show children and it's not going to scar them and it's not going to like scare them too bad. You know what I mean? And it's like, I always think of these kinds of movies that are targeted to kids or like have a message to it. Like, but yeah, I think I like this a little more than Harry the spy. I'm going to say, I was just thinking of that today. I was like, yeah, so too. I have to say the same thing, but like I said, as we stated earlier at the beginning of the the episode, watching it when you're five, six, seven, eight, exactly. you You watch it as, you know, Oh wow. This girl's got powers. She's, you know, not treated so great by her family. You kind of get that just, I feel like you might get that when you're of that age, you might kind of realize, oh, you know, she's not getting treated so well. But, you know, it's a fun movie to watch. Like the parts of it that make it fun, funny, you know, like the cake scene and the her dancing around the with her powers and getting all the cards and things yeah. and having everything move and all that and funny things like that. But, you know, that's fun. But, but again, like I said earlier, you know, when you're watching it, when you're older, you know, as an adult through adult eyes, you know, like I said, you do kind of see like the, even though it's underlying, I think it's a more tragic part of the story too. That You do. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe some of his kind of think about Willy Wonka, like also very tragic. Like, yeah. Um, 
Roald Dahl, I think, if anything, you he had a pension. Like you, you see, you see, like yeah. okay, because he's like fucking killing kids, like every like scene. He he, he like, has a pension. A... He has a pension yeah. for the weird and macabre a little bit, yeah. you know. Um, so it's interesting well, that, them, but they're dying. Yeah. Off. They're dying. They're yes, they're like dying off in his his factory, or they're going but somewhere like, in their factory. But right, like, but, it, it does have yeah. It does have a like, and uh, uh, James the Giant Peach. I'm really not sure what that's about, so I don't really can't say that. Yeah, yeah. But I think they probably all have underlying tragedies underneath them. And Matilda, I so. like I said, watching it, like I said, watching it yesterday, and, and watching it, I mean, I've watched it probably a few times in the past few years as yeah, being an adult. Yeah. And I, I, I do see the God, like it's, it's horrible. Like uh, when you really look at it, it's horrible how she's treated by her parents. Yeah. Obviously, it could be worse. Like there's always worse out there, unfortunately, right. which is sad to say. But, and that's you know, the that's um, not this movie, but yeah. But it's like you know, yeah. Obviously, she could be in a more loving home because. But anyway, watching it through that, but but just think about if she would have had a Miss Honey home, uh, yeah, growing up, you know, because they were saying that I was reading something yesterday that was like that, like when she got older, she didn't like need her powers or use them, or she didn't really. Well, have the that was. Of them. That was the book. So the book is oh, that the okay. telekinesis kind of dissipated because yeah because she wasn't in that environment she was in exactly her parents basically said and also another thing i thought was funny um interesting when i was (laughs) you know back in the day like kind of when i was younger when she was like i have the adoption papers i'm like what i know like how does that even work like what (laughs) the parents were like huh and miss honey's like okay and she's like all right i guess i'm like right no it's like she's anything she's anything and she's determined if if nothing else she's determined (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's definitely watching it as a it's kind of it's kind of interesting watching these type of movies. It is when you're when you're younger, you don't really understand it. You just kind of see it as whatever you know. It's a, yeah, it's something you might you may have read the book back in the day. And yeah, this is the movie part of it. But I and also I can't think say like yeah, for the musical how it goes. I don't know how the musical if it stacks up the same or if it's very it's good. To the I like I like the musical personally, but yeah, totally. But then watching it as an adult, you know, you kind of see um, underlying things that you wouldn't have, you would definitely it would yeah. have went over your head when you're younger. But, totally. um, but yeah, all in all, it's a, it's a, it's a good watch. I could definitely watch it again and again. Some people have yeah. that mindset where they watch a movie, they're like, <laughs> okay. And sometimes I'm like that with certain movies. Like I'm like, I don't need to watch it again. I've watched it once. But um, there's definitely some comfort movies, and I would say mm-hmm. probably somewhere on here, this is kind of a comfort movie that I could definitely sit down and watch it again and again. I agree. Um, even though I know what's going to happen, I know what scenes coming up, I know what's going to happen, I know what they're going to say, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Also. Can we talk about the chokey and how like horrible it is and right? like, <laughs> but the what? thing is, yeah, I know. But like, also the thing is, is that the the joke of it is that these punishments are so horrible that the parents don't believe the children. So right. it's like when you explain what the chokey is, and a kid's mo- uh, mom or dad are gonna be like, "Wait, what? Like that doesn't make sense." But it's actually but reality. I thought that was funny when they were like hiding, and she's like, "You better," she's like, like, "You better skedaddle," and then she's like, "She was like, she's like, would your parents believe?" And she was like, and so I was like, "No, they wouldn't." No, they You're wouldn't. Right. <laughs> You're right. Like, Never mind. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this she's movie. Like, the way so my parents are no, they would not. No, they, they wouldn't. Um, and that's the whole kind of point of it. But yeah, but this movie definitely. I mean, I just love it. It's timeless to use that term. I mean. It's just something where it's just, it will always be. And I appreciate that. Um, you can, uh, so by the time you're hearing it now, it'll be off Netflix, but it does make the rounds 
uh, on Prime and like some of the other subscription services. So you can find it. I would rent this bitch for sure. Like throw it some dollars. Like if you don't already have it, you know, please do so. Like it's, it's good. Like, you know, um, I have this one shocking. Shocking, right? Right. But, um, and then also maybe get the Blu ray of it. Like, again, if you want to have those little, go look up the little reunion online. It's really cute. Um, and all that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just, I'm glad to have covered this because it is like the anniversary of it technically uh, on this episode. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. It's just a movie that is seminal to my childhood because I watched it definitely. Um, and you know, if anything, I'm, I'm glad to have been covering it, but yes. Uh, but Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. I think we are at a record of this is our shortest episode you and me have done. <laughs> um, cause again, I'm trying to make it so that, you know, we're not just talking about the fucking plot all the time, but like, we're able to talk about like, you know, Oh, what do we think about this character? What do we think about this scene? What were some things that stood out to us? Cause I think that's more interesting if anything but anyway uh but yeah i think that brings us to a wrap if anything but uh uh do you have any parting words before we start to head off or anything no all right cool all right well Thank you so much for being on the show. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com. If you'd like to give any movie recommendations, give feedback on the show, or if you'd just like to say, hey, I'm open to all of it. You can also follow the show on Instagram at cultcinemacircle and on Twitter at cultcinecircle. I tend to announce the movies that I'm going to be covering and just interact with people on there if they want. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at jesse, J-E-S-S-E, kremp, K-R-E-M-P, all one word, on that platform i tend to log the movies that i watch i write little stupid reviews about them and just general foolishness over there be sure to rate comment and subscribe to the cult cinema circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice whether that be apple podcasts google podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts i'm pretty much on all of them be sure to leave five stars and a one to two sentence review about the show uh, so we can grow the audience and then just spread the love all around Be sure to tune in next week to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, where I'll be covering 1972's Pink Flamingos. Notorious Baltimore criminal and underground figure Divine goes against Connie and Raven Marble, a sleazy married couple who makes a passionate attempt to humiliate her and sees her tabloid-given title as the filthiest person alive. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. And remember, whoever painted the Trunchbull must have had a strong stomach. A really strong stomach. Take care. Bye.